Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Capital Link, for having organized another great event today in a wonderful avenue. My name is Luigi Matra. I am the director of uh, RINA for Greater China Area. I am very happy to be the moderator of this um, panel today, given the very interesting topics we are going to touch, and of course, given the high quality of our uh, panelists today. So let me introduce the, um, the speakers, and I will ask to each one of them to have a, a brief introduction of their, uh, their company. So I follow my notes, Mark O'Neill, President and CEO of Columbia Group and President of uh, Intermanager. Good, uh, good morning again, everybody. Um, Columbia Group is uh, an international integrated maritime logistics, leisure and energy platform. As I said right at the beginning, we're very proud to have cooperated with our partners in China for many, many years, uh, having built over 270 vessels here in China, cooperating with that wonderful cruise ship that uh, Mr. Chen showed uh, for uh, Sex in Bank uh, at the beginning, and many other projects uh, in the country. Thank you. Dieter Rondenburg, CEO of Intership Navigator. Ni hao, and good morning to uh, all of you. Um, Intership Navigation is a ship owner, ship manager, ship operator, uh, and part of the German Hartmann Group. Um, as a group, we've been active in China uh, since more than 30 years, um, built over uh, maybe close to 200 ships as well, uh, certainly more than 150 ships. We presently have about 25 vessels uh, uh, on order and under construction here in China. Uh, fleet size at the moment for the, for the group is about 120 ships. Mr. Oywin Lindemann, CCO of Navigator Gas. Thank you very much, Luigi, and good morning, everybody. Um, Navigate Gas is uh, one of the leaders in gas ship owning. So we have 56 gas ships, 100% owned. Um, half of them are built here in China from our colleagues at uh, Jiangnan Shipyard. Um, the other half is uh, from Korea. But we also own uh, the largest ethylene export terminal in the world, which happens to be in the U.S. So we are connecting the competitive gas pricing in the U.S. to Chinese demand. So we have a big trade lane from our terminal to China with ethylene. But uh, happy to be here and uh, exciting panel. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stamatis Santanis, Chairman and CEO of Synergy Maritime and Founder, Chairman and CEO of United Maritime Corporation. Well, thank you everyone. Have a good morning. First of all, I want to thank um, Nicholas Bornozis and Capital Link for giving us the opportunity to be back in uh, China, which uh, is a destination that we love. Not just a destination uh, for us as executives, but also a destination for our ships. We transport about uh, 20 million tons of cargo per year, and uh, three quarters of that end up in China in respect of uh, uh, iron ore, coal, and bauxite, which we consider to be critical materials, raw materials for the global um, infrastructure drive. Uh, China has been uh, very critical for us in respect of uh, not just the destination of our ships, but also uh, ship repairs, shipbuilding, um, as well as uh, ship financing. So. Uh, we love coming to China. We consider the chemistry with our Chinese colleagues to be extremely good, and uh, we look forward to continue developing our business here in this country. 
Thank you, thank you very much. Okay, we can start. Um, in a time where uh, rules and technologies are changing so fast, uh, we really need uh, um, leading personality to be open to new ideas uh, and, um, and uh, technologies. So I would like to ask to these leading personality their perspective on these matters. And I would like to start with Dieter. So um, talking about new buildings, uh, traditionally, uh, shipbuilding industry almost always focus on capex, uh, trying to contain the building cost as much as possible. Today, seems we hear more about uh, opex since the design stage, so how to contain the operational cost of the ship during her life. What is your vision on this matter, and uh, how do you see is also changing the role of the designer since the design stage? Yeah, thank you, Luigi. I think uh, indeed the um, uh, the, the recent uh, environmental legislation is changing the uh, the cost structure of ship owning and and ship operation as well. Um, besides the um, uh, the increase in the OPEX over the last years due to generally the inflation and, um, and generally price increases, um, the uh, the recent legislation has 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 already changed uh, um, the OPEX structure and also of course the capex. If you think back a few years ago, um, when the um, sulfur cap was introduced and and ship owners started um, voluntarily um, uh, installing scrubbers. Um, at the time, it was voluntary, and it was a it was a uh, it was a gamble if you would be able to recover your capex and the additional opex actually that is uh, connected to running scrubbers. Um, but followed on from the from the uh, from the, um, the sulfur cap, we also saw the EXI, which was just discussed already, which required many ship owners to retrofit. Um, EPL and other uh, uh, technological devices to um, to improve the efficiency, and again this came with an OPEX uh, cost attached to it. Moving forward now, we we, we will see the the um, the additional requirements that come with uh, um, match, matching the CII requirements. So ship owners will. Uh, even if they didn't have to do anything on the EX, I will have to um, do technological operational improvements to the ships uh, over the next years to, um, to manage their CII. And again, many of those technological uh, improvements will come with an increase in the OPEX. So the challenge would be in, in future how, as a ship owner, Will we be able to recover these extra costs also from uh, from the charters and from the value chain that that you know from, that leads to the end user, of course, as well? Um, we we find that extremely difficult. We have, uh, as a company, I mentioned just now that we have about 25 ships uh, on order here in China, all of which are um, most of which are at, uh, gas carriers and some container ships, and all of which have a long-term time charter attached to it where the, the charters are willing and able to pay um, a bonus for the, uh, for the greening of the vessels. Um, so we, we are already using uh, LNG propulsion um, and, uh, in fact, LPG and uh, ethane uh, propulsion as well. But um, we, we, we find it extremely challenging to uh, create a, a value proposition for our bulk carriers as well. We wanted to build bulk carriers with... Uh, potentially LNG propulsion as well, um, but we find it difficult to, uh, to get the support from the market for that. 
So I think uh, the OPEX um, um, that is attached to the new legislations will be very, very difficult for, for owners to recover from, from the market at the moment. Okay, okay, thank you, um, uh, Dieter. Of course, uh, uh, we have also to say that we have uh, many question marks in terms of uh, which fuel and availability and cost and so on. So uh, your, your concerns are totally, totally shared. Um, I would like to move to Stamatis. Um, which is your envision on the future of the uh, maritime industry in terms of decarbonization and digitalization? Um, which are, in your opinion, the short-term and long-term milestones that the maritime industry should aim to achieve? Well, that's an um, extremely um, wide subject uh, to discuss. I know. <laughs> to, be, to be honest, uh, I will try to um, narrow it down to the basic principles that uh, we consider to be um, key elements here in uh, moving forward for the next uh, few years. Um, as far as we're concerned, the rule number one is to keep it simple. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we're in a room of uh, a lot of uh, sophisticated uh, uh, executives uh, participating in shipping, but uh, all the way down to the production chain, I don't believe that uh, the sophistication is there to push for drastic changes in the hundreds of millions of uh, deadweight tons that we transport every year. So we have to be very, very careful how we're going to push the change. So rule number one is try to keep things very simple. Number two, in my opinion, is that we have to engage the collaboration and partnership of a number of stakeholders participating in this. So um, first of all, the owners, the charters, the banks, and the international regulators need to be fully aligned in order to impose um, the changes that are supposed to come. Uh, and like a previous uh, speaker said before, in order to replace uh, all these thousands of ships is completely unattainable in our opinion. So uh, investing in existing vessels, I think that that's uh, the key element. Uh, you don't really need to do a lot of things. Um, in our opinion, a few critical uh, matters can just uh, go a long way. So as far as we're concerned, uh, we um, installed um, remote performance monitoring systems, which we evolved into artificial intelligence uh, a few years after. So right now, all of our ships are running on artificial intelligence that we consider to be critical in this industry, uh, because you get real-time information from the ships, uh, advanced weather routings, and of course, the key element is the utilization of the speed of the vessel. So all these simple things that we discuss right now can really go a long way. There's no need to start reinventing the wheel and investing uh, billions of dollars in exotic solutions. You can really do it uh, in simple matters. And uh, the global um, decarbonization targets of 15 to 20 percent can be, in our opinion, easily met if everybody uh, participates. So. Uh, Overall, I'm just going to try and give a more concise uh, answer here. Keep things simple. Uh, solutions that uh, do not require too much sophistication. Uh, don't try to push too much, too much change down to the production line, because sorry, to the, to the whole logistics line, because I don't think that uh, the world is ready for uh, all these advanced solutions. So if you keep it simple, if you just enforce um, simple 
uh, energy saving devices like even the paints or the Mavis ducts or a number of other um, energy saving devices. I think that overall you can achieve the target. So keep it simple, no exotic solutions, not too much investment at this stage. And of course, the new buildings need to be contained as much as possible so the market can at least enjoy positive cash flows that will fund the future uh, evolution um, of the shipping uh, market. Thank you very much, uh, Samadis. Very, you you uh, synthesized uh, like a quite wide uh, topic in uh, in a very uh, uh, key in, in a key word, which is uh, keep it simple. I I will uh, uh, I totally share as well. Okay, um, going a little bit deeper, I would like to ask to Oi Wind. Um, ammonia as a fuel and safety of the crew. You have large experience in carrying uh, ammonia as a cargo on board of your ships. Um, which are the critical aspects in handling uh, this kind of gas? And uh, ammonia as a fuel, how do you approach the topic of uh, um, training of the crew, competences, safety in general? Please. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, at least uh, when you're in the gas segment, anywhere you go, any conference, any client, any symposium, everybody wants to talk about ammonia. <laughs> and that's great, because we transport a lot of ammonia today. Um, that is ammonia used for fertilizer industry. Um, we've been transporting ammonia for decades with no issue and so forth. How come we don't have issue? Everybody talks about the challenges of ammonia. That's fine. But challenges of ammonia, of course, is challenging if you don't know how to handle it and so forth, etc. So our crew, obviously, well trained in the handling of all sorts of complex gases. Ammonia is toxic. Uh, you smell it immediately. You shouldn't have a leak, but of course you will smell it as a human being. It's too late. <clears throat> right. Depends on what the PPM is. So <clears throat> um, we're comfortable in transporting ammonia. The question is, with the solution or the, the potential solution of green fuels, ammonia is, can be scaled massively in blue ammonia or green ammonia. And the question is then how to use it for energy. And then the second question is how to use it for as a fuel for the marine industry. So those are two very different questions. Um, <clears throat> but of course, will ammonia be a major green fuel for the marine industry? Possibly, but it's not around the corner because it is very complex and it's uh, toxic and regulation have to be there. But uh, fine, I mean, our crew handles gases all day long what happens if you introduce gas uh, for a dry bulker who where the crew is perhaps not as comfortable with that? And then if you need to train the millions of officers and, and seafarers in handling ammonia, you know, that is a mind-boggling question and the World Training Academies and so forth is not built to do that within the next decade. But for the gas industry and if you transport gases, we do, yeah. We see that that is a great opportunity that we will probably be doing sooner than you think. But it, you have to be a bit granular 
If you know gases, fine, you're comfortable and so forth. If you're other shipping segment, perhaps it will take longer time. But ammonia is not the single solution for green fuel, but we believe it will be part of it. Thank you very much. Very, very exhaustive. Um, Mark, uh, Colombia provides a wide range of services in the maritime industry. You do ship management, you do crewing, you do uh, digitalization, you do many other things. How do you see um, digitalization and decarbonization being connected together? And uh, in your opinion, which are the key considerations that a ship owner should uh, have when implementing uh, decarbonization and digitalization strategies into their fleet? Thanks, Luigi. Um, look, I, I think when one talks about uh, decarbonization as a general proposition, we have to remember that, that it's so much more than uh, a discussion about alternative fuels. And I think as with those of you in the audience old enough will remember in the year 2000, we were all panicking over what would happen to all our computers um, because computer language didn't recognize uh, the year 2000. Then the, the word digitalization came and we all spent years and years of these capital links and other conferences talking about digitalization. Well, now it's alternative fuels and decarbonization. Decarbonization is so much more uh, uh, about so much more than alternative fuels. We, it's time, I think, the, the industry woke up and smelt the coffee, as they say uh, in the West, and probably some of you, it's time you woke up and smelled the coffee as well, um, uh, this being the second panel. But uh, we have to look at decarbonization or carbon reduction in, uh, um, through a much wider lens. And that lens, I, I'm very much in favor of what Stamati said, keep it simple, uh, is much more about vessel optimization than alternative fuels. The fact of the matter is, this industry will not have green ammonia or green hydrogen available to it in sufficient quantities for the next 10, 20 years, possibly even 30 years. The infrastructure just won't be there. So we will be burning uh, hydrocarbons in a more opt optimized way for the next 20 years, simple. And they will probably be the dominant fuel for the next 20 years. But we will uh, have all sorts of technologies available to us in that time on the optimization side, on the digital side, and also on the technology side to, to optimize. When we look at the optimization uh, opportunities available to us now, uh, as the Columbia Group platform, we see a multitude of different digital technologies, all speaking different languages. And if we had to train our staff in all these different offerings that are available to us, our staff would spend 100% or in fact 150% of each day just on the training. So what we've done is we've gone to a platform called OneLink uh, Solutions, which provides a single language and a single optimization tool for performance, for uh, weather routing, for bunker optimization, for lube oil optimization, for carbon uh, emission recording, 
and trading, because that's an important element too. So it's a single platform with a single language, with a single training, because otherwise you simply distract. And if you do that, you can reduce your carbon footprint, footprint hugely. Saying all of that, I am a, a very firm believer that this whole decarbonization or carbon reduction uh, drive will be decided in other industries to the shipping industry. The shipping industry contributes 2% to the carbon footprint. Power stations contribute 73% to the carbon footprint. And I think uh, for shipping to think that it will decide on the alternative fuels of the future is uh, frankly uh, a hallucination. It will, these, these decisions will be taken in other hallowed halls in much bigger sectors and we will uh, follow suit and do our bit. But I firmly believe we will be looking much more at optimization than total decarbonization uh, for the next 20, 30 years. Uh, yes, Mark, thank you. I agree. Definitely the shipping will be the followers <clears throat> um, in this matter. So even if we are uh, uh, responsible over the 80, 90% of the goods transported around the world and only the 2%, as you said, of the carbon emissions, yes, I mean, uh, compared to the land industries, uh, the consumption of the, the fuel that we use is, uh, is much less. So definitely we will be a followers of the, of the, of the, land, um, uh, the land industry. Um, you uh, talked uh, uh, about uh, optimization, and uh, I cannot agree more, okay? So um, talking about, still talking about optimization, I would like to ask my next question to Dieter. Um, the pandemic is over but uh, somehow has accelerated the process of uh, digitalization of the ships. So um, with, with the adoption of uh, a wide range of new technologies um, uh, helping also working from remote, okay? So which is, uh, in your opinion, uh, the uh, technological solutions that uh, are helping you the most in these days in optimizing the operation of your fleet? <coughs> Yeah, let me um, uh, address this from, from an uh, operator's point of view, because I think, like yeah. Mark just said, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it than just the technological optimization on our ships and, and possibly new fuels, which I would agree they are still decades away. Um, but there's a lot we can do on the commercial op operation of our vessels, and we, are, we operate a fleet of uh, handy-sized bike carriers, more or less in a niche market, but uh, in, in, the, in the Caribbean and the U.S. Gulf. But um, uh, it gives us the opportunity to trial out certain things. And uh, I think what we have seen over the last years, what has improved our operation, is not so much actually um, digitalization of processes, but it's the availability of data, of big data, um, that helps us improve our, um, our voyage planning. So um, we have now, there's a lot more um, data available on ship movements, a lot more data on cargo movements. Um, we are able to project, um, you know, when our ship arrives in a port, what other ships will be arriving in a port? Um, will, we be, um, will we be able to berth uh, on, on, uh, on time and so on? So I think on the, on the ship operation side, um, a lot has has changed from the days where we had um, where, where we knew um, you know the ship's position from telexes. Uh, today we can track ships, uh, we can track uh, cargo movements as well. 
Um, and hopefully with the data exchange with, with ports, which will come with the maritime single window, um, we will even be able to ha have access to even more data um, in the future. Um, I actually think that also um, the commercial side of shipping is um, uh, um, where there are still a lot of opportunities for us to, uh, to collaborate and also to reduce um, emissions. You still have a lot of ships, particularly if you look at bulk carriers and, and tankers, which, uh, which are not trading at full capacity, um, which are ballasting. Um, we still have a lot of uh, ballast voyages potentially can be avoided. Um, I think there are great opportunities for the, as an industry, to reduce our emissions uh, as a whole. Um, I, I would just add one small thing that we have just um, recently introduced. We were talking about ship operation. We trade a lot to the um, uh, to South America, and as, as you will know, there's um, a big issue with uh, drug uh, drug trafficking, drug exports from South America. Uh, we had a couple of incidents where we found uh, drugs on board of our ships within the cargo, and um, we tried to we tried to. Um, think of ways to prevent this uh, going forward. We, we, didn't want to, we don't want this to happen again. So we actually introduced recently um, a system which works with AI. It's, uh, it's um, uh, a camera system which monitors uh, the, um, uh, the cargo that is being loaded into the cargo holds. And it actually detects um, different sizes or the wrong size to, the, to a certain commodity um, when you load, uh, and then you can stop the, the cargo. Uh, so it's something where, which I thought was was very interesting, where you can and it, it's it's learning, it's a learning a tool that learns um, uh, what is the right size and then detects the wrong size of the cargo. Thank you, thank you very much. It's very very interesting. Um, Moving again to Stamatis, uh, still talking about digitalization. Um, based on your experience on your existing fleet, uh, which technological solution you think could give to you the best uh, return on investment um, in terms of operation of your fleet? Well, um, we have used uh, for years now a combination of uh, various um, solutions in order to reduce the fuel consumption as well as the emissions of our vessels. And that is, um, the uh, first of all, the paints. So if I had to choose one solution, I would say that the new silicon paints give an automatic uh, reduction which represents the best return on investment, uh, in our opinion. So the amount of money that you pay for the hull treatment as well as the application of the silicon paints, this is what uh, we think has the best return on investment. Second, of course, is the various ducts uh, solutions for the propellers, as well as the Bosch cup fins. And again, I must remind everyone that this is not uh, an invention of the last uh, five years. All these solutions, uh, except for the silicon paints, have been around since the 80s. But, you know, since uh, energy was not uh, an issue at the time, nobody chose to install this application. So. That's something that we see more and more coming into play right now. Um, also, I must remind everyone that uh, the best um, solution for, I mean, the best application of all these energy saving devices uh, is applied at the speed range that, in our opinion, may not be um, relevant to the world of tomorrow. So, you know, if you talk about optimizing a ship, 
running at uh, 14, 15 knots, and I will go back to Mark's point, which I agree 100%. What's the point of actually running uh, a cape-sized bulk carrier transporting iron ore uh, and coal at 15 knots? We really don't see the point in running the ships so fast, because at the end of the day, by just reducing a couple of knots out of the maximum speeds that a lot of the vessels have been uh, running, um, you get savings that are tremendous, so there's no need to, again, go back to my favorite, uh, you know, favorite saying by uh, reinventing the wheel. So just by reducing uh, the speed a little bit and uh, by installing uh, simple things like, uh, first of all, the paints and various other uh, simple devices, you can make a big difference and you can go a long way in reducing emissions and uh, consumption. So that's what we see is uh, the solution of tomorrow. Simple uh, things that uh, are not so expensive and they optimize the vessels at a big degree. And um, uh, Stamatis, again, um, being representative of the, of the Greek uh, shipbuilding, uh, uh, shipowning uh, um, industry uh, and knowing that uh, uh, shipping is a very traditional um, industry, right? Do you think that at this time we are forced to reshape the maritime uh, industry with this new technology entering into, into our world, uh, same as the other industries or not? Thank you. Well, first of all, I must say that uh, Synergy and United Group uh, is an exception to the rule. We are not an establishment company, meaning that uh, we don't have any family sponsorship or any uh, private equity or hedge fund uh, uh, sponsorship whatsoever. So the company operates uh, as a startup, even though we have matured a lot, we still operate as a startup, meaning that all the staff is being treated uh, as equals. Um, and uh, we don't, uh, you know, everybody that joins Synergy comes uh, because of their CVs and because of their track record and because um, generally we're a very flat organization. Having said that, uh, because of the nature of the business is such, the nature of the company, we have tried to introduce technology as part of our day-to-day -day lives uh, since the very beginning, since 2015 that we started to rebuild our fleet, um, which means that it was uh, pretty much not a choice for people not to follow. Uh, it was kind of mandatory to live with technology and live with all the new um, software and artificial intelligence solutions. Uh, we are one of the very few companies in Greece that uh, we uh, maintain a performance and sustainability department which is truly independent, does not belong under the operations or the technical department of the company. So having uh, an independent performance and sustainability department, I think that helps uh, all the company to have availability to data that are truly independent and not being influenced by its department or the cruise itself. And as a final point, I want to echo a little bit the airline industry's um, idea that we have to make the lives of our crew members as simply as possible. You cannot ask uh, our officers and the crews uh, to become, you know, uh, to, to change their DNA and become something that they are not, uh, they have not been trained of. And um, their ultimate responsibility is the running and operations safety of the vessel itself. So if we bombard the crews by so many uh, new uh, technologies and so many new information, 
uh, it only makes their lives uh, as difficult as possible. We, uh, as an office, have to make the lives of the crew as simple as possible by introducing technologies that are easy to um, install, easy to understand, and that is going to help uh, vessel operations and collaboration between office and, uh, and the ship to be as efficient as possible. Yes, Stamatis, so the key sentence is always make things simple. Yes, <laughs> <Very well. laughs> indeed, yes. Very well. Okay, Mark, um, what new technology your company has implemented um, to bring new values and enhance the service to your clients and of the crew on board? Thanks, Luigi. I think we've been talking about the technologies already, but uh, I think all of us here involved in shipping appreciate that the, the start, middle, and end of everything is the crew. And, uh, you know, what, what difference uh, a, a motivated, a well-motivated, a well-trained, a healthy, a well-fed, and a well-paid crew can make to uh, your operation. More vital than any technology or, or, or any uh, uh, digital uh, application. That said, um, from, a, from our group's perspective and focusing on the crew, um, we brought in a, a very complex uh, care facility for our crew, One Care Solutions, which looks after the mental health, the medical health uh, of our crew. We brought in uh, some of the most sophisticated catering companies on board our vessels, MCTC, which has digital storerooms so they can see exactly what the status of the fresh produce on board uh, each vessel uh, so they can monitor and tailor diets to specific crews. There is no point giving a Chinese crew uh, Indian diet or, or vice versa. Uh, and we've moved light years ahead now in really tailoring our uh, catering for the crews on board and, and ensuring fresh produce. Our platform OneLearn uh, offers e-learning to all of our crew, but tailored e-learning, not just commoditized products. So the whole crew doesn't get the same program. Each individual crew member will get a, uh, an e-learning program on their mobile phone or on their tablet, tailored for their own needs. And these are interactive uh, training products. You know, learning, digitalization, and technology enables us uh, to really focus what we're doing in a much greater way. All our ships have unlimited Wi-Fi. I mean, that's essential now. And, uh, you know, we are rolling out Starlink on all our vessels so as to ensure the best uh, Wi-Fi connectivity. And then, as I mentioned before, we've turned to a provider called OneLink to provide this single language optimization platform. So you're looking at weather, you're looking at fuel consumption, um, you're looking at where is the best place and the, the most cost-effective place to bunker your vessels, to supply lube oils, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that brings in huge value, drives in huge value to the bottom line. So in that sense, that's the service that we provide uh, for, our, for our clients and for our fleets under management. But there's no doubt the biggest challenge to this industry is bringing in an effective human resource management um, uh, of both the crew on board and the staff ashore. And that's where this industry lags behind other sectors so dramatically. We have to manage 
the careers of our crew on board. We have to look after their interests. We have to bring in modern policies, uh, both on board and ashore. And if we do that, then we'll attract the quality people that will drive this industry um, forward. Uh, Mark, thank you. So definitely the, um, the industry is reshaping itself. Um, do you see any other progressive adoption of the new technology on board from now going forward? Do I see what, sorry? Um, new technology, always new technology being implemented on this industry. Yeah, I, th I think the, the, the challenge is to resist that as much as possible. And, you know, as I said before, when digitalization, the, the, that buzzword first came out, we were all bombarded on this platform, I'm sure, by all of those suppliers, each with a different uh, application, each uh, trying to get our attention and persuading us that we would make huge savings. Um, I, I, I think uh, I fully agree with what Stamatis said. Keep it as simple as possible and focus on the job. The best technology available to us is the human brain. And if we use those, uh, that, that technology to its best effect and operate the vessels as we've been doing over the past years as effectively and as optimized as possible, then we will achieve all of the targets necessary. Definitely. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, Owind, back to you. Um, let's say, this is a $1 million question. <laughs> let's say you have to build a ship today. Um, which innovative technology, not necessarily linked to the digitalization, you think should be made available since delivery to make your uh, uh, operation more efficient? Well, <clears throat> it takes a long time to build a ship today. <laughs> So why not wait? I mean, all the ship owners here are talking our own books, saying, no, no ordering, no ordering, right? <laughs> but uh, if you don't do that, your company will vanish after a few, you know, some years because it's a depreciating asset. So yes, you have to do something. Um, apart from doing things to your current assets that uh, my colleagues here have been talking about, which is very important, but it's going to solve the issue. It'll reduce about 20%, which is fantastic. But uh, New ships uh, depends a little bit of the segments you're in. So to reference to your earlier question, what would navigate the gas do? Well, we're lucky in the sense that we deal with gases. So, <clears throat> you know, will you build a ship that runs on gas? Absolutely. Um, whether that is LNG, whether that is ethane, to your point, Dieter, or whether that is ammonia. So that would be what uh, we would do. Uh, if you're not in gas, then you seriously have to look at uh, the technologic advancement in carbon capture on board. That has some issues, uh, many issues that brings with it. And of course, if you're going to build a CO2 carrier, then it makes uh, a lot of sense because you're going to go to a sink and, and dump your CO2 anyways. But that is very niche. So, uh, you know, if you're in gas, I would bet ammonia. If you're not in gas... I'll let my other colleagues answer, because I don't know. Well, so allow me to rephrase the question to also the other panelists. Um, Stamatis, what's your, uh, what's your opinion on uh, uh, if you should build a vessel today, which uh, technological solution you, are, you will look for? Well, we are actually looking at other solutions, which we have not mentioned already. Um, biofuels, we were the first uh, dry bulk shipping company to uh, run biofuels in August of 2021, and we have been using biofuels since then. The other is, like uh, you very well said, the carbon capturing. 
We're now looking at three different uh, prototypes uh, for carbon capturing, either in combination with the scrubbers or as a combined scrubber and carbon capturing at the same time. There are various um, uh, logistical matters that need to be resolved in order to proceed with uh, carbon capturing, but, but we believe that uh, once these matters have been uh, addressed, we will be one of the first companies to use carbon capturing uh, to the extent that the vessel allows, because Cape size is a big ship, so you can store a lot of uh, CO2. But again, uh, don't expect miracles. You're not going to go to 100% capturing and 100% saving. You're going to go to, let's say, 15 to 20%. So every little bit helps. So if you can make the ship 20% better, 15% better, and you can capture carbon by, let's say, another 15, 20%, all together, little by little, it's going to help, and biofuels, all of that will help um, the ships uh, last longer. And the reason why, to your very good point, uh, we're not discussing uh, new buildings is um, twofold. Uh, first of all, the price difference of a new building to a 10-year-old ship on dry bulk is uh, huge. So it's kind of impossible for a new investment to make sense at least um, in, in our standards, we don't really see how that new investment of, uh, let's say, 78 to 80 million can really pay off uh, at the current uh, rates for dry bulk, which have been uh, lower than expected. And the second is um, we still have not figured out what the prevailing technology is going to look like. I mean, you have a very good solution on the gases for ammonia. But um, dry bulk being the least sophisticated vessel out there, um, I don't want to test uh, the crew's capacity and capabilities with uh, things that may not be able to handle. So, like Mark said before, we'd rather be followers in the new technology, wait a little bit, and uh, overall uh, we're just going to try and last the existing fleet a little bit longer until that uh, solution, uh, you know, we come across that solution. It's, um, if I could just follow on from what Stamati said, uh, and, and on the following point, if you look at the motor car industry, and I know China is now number one spot on, on electric vehicles, but if one looks at the motor car industry in Europe, it's very telling that uh, the German motor car industry rolled back on legislation relating to the banning of the combustion engine, and it's rolled it back to at least 2035. Now, uh, I have some relatives in one of the largest of the motor car uh, industries in Europe, and uh, they are very, very much of the opinion that there will be an effective carbon stripping, carbon capture technology for the combustion engine in the, very ne in the, in the next few years. And where you see most of the engine manufacturers in the shipping industry are owned by the car industry, then that technology is sure to apply to the combustion engines used on board uh, our vessels as well. So uh, it's, it's merely a, a question of prioritization and what technology will uh, be available. But I'm firmly of the belief that we will be burning hydrocarbons, albeit with a carbon capture or carbon stripping, maybe even at the point of the, the refinery uh, in the next few years. So. Uh, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. We can't get ahead of ourselves anyway because there isn't the shipyard capacity to replace the world fleet for the next 20, 30 years in any event. So these vessels will be there and will need uh, traditional fuels to burn in a more 
uh, carbon-friendly way. Again, decarbonization is not zero carbon. It's about reducing the carbon, and we can do that in many, many effective ways uh, through the operation, the optimized operation of our vessels. Correct, correct. Can, uh, I, can I also just add course, my, my thought to it? Uh, I, um, I would agree that it was marked that the carbon capturing is certainly uh, one part of the puzzle. Uh, we were going forward. There's no one size fits all, and I think that's clear to everybody here. Um, the fact that we will, as, as um, certainly as part of the industry on the bulk and tanker side, we will not have access to, uh, to the new fuels in the future, will mean that different, this, different parts of the industry Will, will develop differently as well. And I think, you know, I agree with, with Eivind on the gas. I mean, we do gas carriers as well. Clearly, gas carriers are, yeah, the obvious choice of fuels will be ammonia or other gaseous fuels in future, so LNG, for example. Um, for our bike carriers, quite frankly, I can't see ammonia being one of the fuels uh, on our ships. Um, we don't have the train crew for this, and I don't think I would want uh, this fuel on our ships. We don't, I don't think we will have that. We will ever have these train crews on our ships. So there will be different um, different uh, ways forward for different industries. Um, there's a lot of talk about chicken and egg with regards to new fuels. I don't see how we as ship owners can be the leaders on this. Um, there will be um, some parts of the industry like uh, container ships where. Um, basically, they're being sponsored by their stakeholders uh, um, in terms of, you know, getting paid for their uh, efforts to decarbonize. Um, but others of us will not be. So um, certainly on the bulkers and tankers, we will not be the driving force going forward on deciding on the fuels. Thank you. Um, Mark, sorry, back to you. How do you see, because the, the, the topic is, uh, is, uh, is very um, complex, okay? So as a management company, how you see the cooperation between uh, management company and uh, and uh, all ship owners for the um, uh, to, to to cooperate together to to reduce the carbon emission. Well, I mean, I think it is. We, we are ship owners, and and we are managers, and we are a, a platform of services. When we we heard from Mr. Chen on on the Adora project, which Sexin Bank is uh, involved in. Uh, and we're involved in other cruise projects in Saudi Arabia for Cruise Saudi and advising the Egyptian government on, on their cruises. We're, we're advising them now on all the options available to them. So, um, as I said, adopting a sense of realism, I think. You know, wake up and smell the coffee is a, a bit of a, um, a headline grabber, but it's, it's, it's a, a realistic approach to the whole issue of decarbonization, making these vessels smart vessels. In Saudi Arabia, we put uh, out to sea the first two smart vessels in the world. One was a jack-up rig and one was an offshore supply vessels. You could walk around these vessels virtually from the shore. You could pick up fire extinguishers, look at the dates, look at the dials, optimize, turn off the auxiliary engines. Um, you could train your crew remotely before they even left India or before they left the Philippines. So the crew familiarization time was drastically cut down, the cost was drastically cut down, and you could uh, really optimize the, the vessel's performance. That's what we want to do to these cruise ships, that's what we want to do to all of our ships. So it's a discussion with owners, what is the most cost-effective way to optimize and uh, uh, try to reduce the carbon footprint as much as possible on the most relevant vessels. Great, thank you very much. Um, Dieter, back to you. 
um, slightly changing the subject. Uh, you have your own uh, um, training center in, um, in the Philippines, right? So uh, which are your opinion on the skills and uh, the training required for the crew, superintendent, but also managers um, in order to operate uh, digitalized and decarbonized? Yeah. Um, we heard a few times uh, from Stamati and uh, keep it simple. Um, I think it would be nice if we could keep it simple, but quite frankly, I think um, given the developments we, we, we have seen already in terms of uh, you know, uh, electronic engines and uh, electronic um, cranes and other things on board of the ships, we have to realize um, you know, onboard ship management is changing, has changed and will continue to change in the, in the near future. So we will also need to offer um, different training opportunities to our crews. We will have to upskill existing crew members and we will have to train uh, new uh, additions to our crew pool in a different way than, than we have done it in the past. Um, of course, um, that you know that includes more digital approaches to to uh, the shipboard operation. Um, we are seeing now a lot more sensor-based management, which will also implement or imply that there's um, control, more control from the office side. Um, so the the way ships are being operated is changing, and uh, so you know things how we train our seafarers uh, is is changing as well, and we are. Um, uh, with the introduction of new fuels, um, that will come to a whole new dimension. If, if indeed we want to train crew to, uh, to have uh, ammonia as, as a fuel, then obviously you know the engines, um, the, the gas plant, everything else um, is completely different from what we have seen uh, on our existing vessels. So there will be um, there will be a lot to be done in the, on the training uh, on the training side. We are actually redesigning, re, re, um, 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 redoing, uh, upskilling up our own training center in, in the Philippines uh, at the moment. And I think that's something that um, will be important for everybody who's in this business to, um, to keep up with the developments. Um, thank you. I would like to replicate the same question also to Mark, please. Yeah, I, I was asked uh, on another uh, panel, another place, um, the, the same question before, you know, will we have enough skilled crew in the future and, and do we have enough skilled crew now? We have enough crew, um, but they're not all uh, skilled and, and educated to the required standards. And I think that's the challenge for the shipping industry going forward. You're now going to have more and more uh, to think about dedicated crew for certain different vessel types, which we've already had, but not only that now, subsected into specific fuels because there are skill sets uh, that are required and knowledge that's required and training that's required to be able to handle those fuels safely. That said, I don't think it's going to be as difficult perhaps as, uh, as Dieter uh, suggested because not everyone on board the vessel will have to be trained to the same standard. And we're seeing more and more control from home base. If you look at our performance optimization control room in Cyprus, it's like Space Station Houston, or the equivalent in China, wherever that might be. Um, there is more and more control that is required from the shore to the vessel, and more and more direction and specific education to certain individuals that can take place, uh, that those individuals that are required for specific functions on board the vessel. So I think um, you will have 
a certain number of highly specialized crew on board, but the general crew, your able-bodied, your ordinary seamen, will probably um, still require the basic training. Not everybody will have to be trained to the specialized, uh, specialized standards uh, required. Thank you, Mark. This is a kind of also good news to hear. Um, uh, on the same topic, uh, Stamatis, um, how do you see the, the challenges and barriers to implement digital solutions uh, in maritime industry? Well, uh, as I mentioned before, it's like uh, the evolution of uh, the personal computer or the iPhone or, you know, all these things that we have experienced uh, the last uh, 30, 40 years. So, um, as long as there is a good faith and well-trained people at the office and uh, keep things simple into a very nice, uh, friendly interface, I think uh, it should not be an issue trying to uh, implement that uh, for the shipping companies and most importantly on board uh, the vessel. So I don't really see any issue in that. Uh, we just need some uniformity. And the overall issue in shipping is that there's not so much uniformity. There's a lot of um, different systems being applied by different uh, uh, vendors. So as long as there's uniformity and a friendly interface and uh, most importantly dedicated teams uh, to monitor that so people do not get uh, diluted uh, attentions, um, especially on board the vessels that they have a specific uh, job in operating the ship safely, um, I think that uh, it's not going to be an issue to implement new technologies at the offices and also on, the, on board the vessels. Great. Thank you very much. I see that we are perfectly in time and uh, we uh, can also, I, I can be also able to, to ask my last question. So, um, Oywin, uh, do you have any successful example to share with us uh, regarding the um, good cooperation between a ship owner management and other stakeholders in uh, advanced decarbonization and uh, digitalization? Well, <clears throat> you can't, uh, you can't, the, the expression was uh, built Rome in a day here, but you can't build Rome by yourself. So it's the, all the participants on the value chain have to cooperate to make the just-in-time, you know, the age-old Japanese uh, method, etc., to, to be more efficient, to reduce costs and reduce carbon. So the, the producer has to cooperate with the terminal, with the ship owner, with the consumer. <clears throat> we have a terminal... Um, in Houston, and we can clearly see efficiencies by owning a terminal and a shipping fleet and the efficiency that you can get from that with scheduling of ships, reduced waiting, etc. That's just one example whereby two parties in the value chain can actually make an immediate impact. Because usually there's Chinese walls between them and nobody cares how the efficiency is for the other person. But it should matter. And that cooperation on the value chain should improve as we go forward because there's a tremendous amount of efficiencies that can be unlocked if that happens. And then technolo technology, uh, technologies will have to be there, but also the, the mindset. So the mindset, uh, I'm listening to some of the <clears throat> my panelists here, and it's fine to you know, think simple and make simple, and it's fine to reduce carbon a little bit by little bit. It's fine to be the follower, but... If we don't think big, nothing is going to happen. And, you know, we are middle-aged people here. Imagine, you know, being straight out of university, at least in Europe, and you're Gen Z, 
and you're in hydrocarbon business, how are we going to attract these folks mm. to work with you? Say, hey, we transport carbon, and we are going to reduce a little bit. That doesn't work with these new generation of people. So we have to be a little bit ambition to get it done in the offices too. Fine with the crew, but don't forget young talent and what attracts the industry. Totally agree, agree. Mark, what's your opinion on this? Yes, I think we, you know, we talked about collaboration and we talked about the importance of the Chinese market um, to all of us. Um, just by way of uh, example, I, I, I gave the Adora project, the, the new Chinese cruise project, um, but also our collaboration with some of the Chinese ship managers, Seacon uh, amongst one, where expertise in the management and opt operation and optimization of LPGs, BLGCs, uh, LNGs, etc., that expertise tends to reside more in the West than in China, where that, that market is up and coming now. And therefore, you see a cooperation uh, amongst us where uh, the Chinese operators say, look, let's work together um, to uh, commonly learn and uh, share that knowledge. So I think collaboration and working together is happening in our industry, and, and the, the, the pace of change is driving that. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Mark. Allow me to say that also uh, the role of the classification society is changing in, the, in this res respect. So also us as a class, uh, we are uh, closely uh, cooperating also with the ship management, the ship owners, uh, designers, uh, mm. builders to, 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 to race together in, uh, in these challenging targets. Okay, thank you very much. I think we touched uh, quite a wide range of topics. And I would like to, to thank the, the panelists, the organizers. Um, thank you very much.